you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, hey, it's Oliver Banks here, and I am privileged to be your host here on the Retail Transformation Show. I hope you're having a fantastic day. This is episode 36, and today I'm continuing my conversation with Andrew Busby. Now, if you missed the first half of this conversation, you're going to want to go back and listen to that. That's episode 35. In that episode, Andrew dived into a whole load of different elements that are affecting the retail industry right here, right now in 2019. But with so many different challenges facing the owners, managers and teams of physical stores, bricks and mortar stores, how do you really see what's going on? It can be difficult and that's kind of where we're going today. We're going to be diving down into some of those challenges a little bit deeper and Andrew's going to lay out a few actions that you can take to start turning things around. But before we get going, I'd just like to let you know who Andrew is. If you're not familiar with him, then you should definitely follow him on Twitter. His handle is at Andrew Busby. Who is he? Well, he's the CEO and founder of Retail Reflections. He's an analyst, a writer, a keynote speaker on some of the hottest challenges and trends but with a particular eye on consumer behavior, customer experience, and technology and how that plays into the retail marketplace. You'll find his writing work in Forbes, and there are some brilliant articles. I'm looking at some of his most recent articles right now. He's talking about customer behavior. He's talking about different business models. Andrew writes on a ton of really interesting and topical subjects. And you can read all of those. I'm going to link to a few great articles on the show notes page for today, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 36, along with some other links and Andrew's contact info as well, if you want to reach out to him. So we're getting ready to dive back into the second part of this conversation. Now, just to do a bit of a, I suppose, previously on the Retail Transformation Show. <laughs> we were talking about some of the big retail challenges facing physical stores. Now, there's obviously all sorts of different things going on, but also we dive into some of the reasons why some stores and retailers are doing well and others aren't. What is the secret source that defines how to be successful in today's retail marketplace. So we dived into that and we're continuing to dive into that in just a second. So if you're enjoying this, do remember to hit subscribe if you're a new listener. And if you keep coming back and you're already subscribed, then thank you so much. I really appreciate you listening in and joining in the conversation. So without further ado, here is the second part of my conversation with Andrew Busby. Enjoy. And it's been one of the, the big trends that I've certainly seen within the, within the high street and within shopping centres in particular. And that is 
the balance between a brand store and a retailer. So I'm talking about, you know, a company selling or a manufacturer selling direct to consumers, say like Apple do in their Apple stores versus someone like a Carphone warehouse where you're seeing multiple brands all under one roof. What What's your take on, on that balance? I think that what we are in the middle of seeing is a real challenge to the whole retail model. Uh, and what I mean by that is what value does the retailer actually bring? So if we rewind decades and think about, well, I'm going back, it could be the 70s, 60s, but you know, a lot of what we're seeing now is rooted in, in the sort of attitudes that we had then. So the retailer-customer relationship was very much parent-child, where the retailer was the parent, and they dictated you know, that they, they would build these sheds, these shops, and put a roof over it and put product in there, open the doors, and they expected people to come in, and they would dictate you know, the, um, the assortment range and the uh, price, product, quality, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, we, yeah, and we bought from them. And that, and that uh, model existed for many, many years. What we're seeing now with the rise really since the global financial uh, crisis uh, um, in 2008, what we've seen now with the rise of the, the, the savvy consumer, and of course, most of us, not all, but most of us have a smartphone, we have access to the internet, and therefore we're, we're far sharper, we're far keener in terms of our research and our awareness and so on and so forth. What that has done has completely flipped that relationship. and so. When you overlay now the, the fact that you've got the direct-to-consumer model, it was, as you say, you know, Apple's a good example, Dyson being another one, away luggage, yep, great luggage. They started online, they're opening plenty of stores. What you're seeing really is a challenge to what does retail have to offer? So you've got the manufacturer, you've got the wholesaler, the retailer, and the consumer. Uh, and more and more people, I think, are, are questioning, well, why do I need to go to a retailer? You know, well, I'm quite happy going direct to i mean you know I, I play my music at home through uh sonos speakers and i link that up with um uh alexa to control it and spotify to provide the music and it works brilliantly now i don't care where i get my sonos speakers from it could be from john lewis it could be direct from sonos who knows but i, I don't i really don't care once once you get that sonos box the sonos product you know wherever it is you get it from it's going to be the same yeah, and and importantly, it's going to be the same price. Um, people aren't allowed to discount uh, that. So yeah, you, you know what you're getting. So I think that what this is forcing retailers to do is to really rethink their role in life and what do they have to to offer. And I think in that respect, they've been caught wrong-footed. They've been for too long. Mm. They have been on as they always have done. But what we're seeing now is a complete shake up of the whole consumer landscape and i think again that's another reason why why you know we're, we're seeing uh, some retailers uh, really really struggling because they've been they, they've been caught out and it's it comes back to that same point right relevance what is the purpose what is the point of that particular retail business yeah you need you need to be famous for something for me that that's key you need to understand your brand you need to be able to convey and communicate that consistently uh, through whatever means. Um, and by that, I mean through the store, through online, what have you. 
because if you don't, and if you don't understand it, then how how on earth do you think that your customers are going to be able to understand it? Absolutely, and that that kind of brings us back to one of the points you were mentioning earlier about we as consumers have an emotional attachment to a retailer compared to a gas supplier, for example. And I think that's really quite an interesting interesting perspective as to how that all plays out. Yeah, we, we, we demand more from retail I guess, because it is so visible. So let's try and work out what does this look like from a, a, a bit of an action plan for, for the retailers listening. What is it they need to do tangibly? What is it they need to do to make their stores successful, in your opinion, Andrew? I think you constantly need to give uh, your customers a reason to return. Now, we talk an awful lot about uh, experiential, and, and I loathe that, that, that term. But, you know, what it means is that there needs to be a reason. And, and, and the reason needs to be, it needs to excite us. Uh, it needs to intrigue us. It needs to inspire us. If your stores aren't doing that, then you're not giving us a reason to to come in and spend time there. But more than that, you really need to show that you care and you understand about your your, your customer. And so, you know, if I had a room full of a hundred retailers and asked them, you know, are you, is your business customer centric, are you customer focused? Everybody, I'm sure, would put their hand up. But how many really, really are uh, putting the customer first? And I think actually very few are. One notable exception uh, would be Timpsons. Good example. Where Timpsons, I believe I'm right in saying that their their store managers have the, a degree of empowerment up to £500 to resolve a customer problem. Now, there aren't many retailers around that, that, that do that. And, you know, I think if you're going to have people working in your stores and and retail is quite fascinating because you can have a a 20 something store manager who's actually running a multi-million pound business when you think of the turnover of, of maybe a large supermarket absolutely and that's quite some responsibility so if you're placing that responsibility in that person's hands then you really need to empower them um, and i think that 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 empowerment then translates into far better customer service and therefore far better customer experience. If they've got some skin in the game, right? Once a manager and a team is empowered. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're very much interested. They've got the tools yeah. and, and the talent, hopefully, to, to be able to make a difference for that customer. Well, yeah, because then you know, you're empowering them to run their own business. And I think this is another area where, for me, too many retail models are, are, are run on a very much a command and control uh, from the centre basis. Mm. And I do understand the need for governance uh, and consistency and so forth. I get all that. But I think that at the same time, the old ways and the old rule book needs to be thrown away because it's simply not fit for purpose. And so to make the stores more vibrant, more relevant, more exciting, more appealing to the customer, you need to give your staff in store more autonomy, more empowerment, because ultimately they are the ones who know their customers the best. Now, why is it that most, if not all, retail CEOs will spend typically on a Friday? You know, they will do store visits uh, because the people in store know the most about the business because they're meeting the customers all the time. So, you know, some of this is, is, is not, you know, 
you notice that I haven't really mentioned technology here. And there's a good reason for that, because technology is not in itself the answer. You can throw all the shiny baubles you like at a store, but without that human element, then it's simply not going to work. So I think that, for me, that's one of the, you know, as, as, a, as a, a takeaway, if you like, for me, that's one of the most important elements to remember that retail is first and foremost a human people business. Love it. Yes, retailers are having to turn themselves into technology companies, but it should be human first, technology second. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And and like you say, the technology, in my view, is there to enable the human aspect to work at its best, at its most effective, uh, in its most effective way. Yeah, and I think that that is going to become more and more relevant over the coming years when we look at autonomy, robotics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and so forth. I think there's going to be temptation for many people to think, oh, we're going to we're going to get ourselves out of trouble by just throwing technology at it. And, uh, you know, that simply isn't going to work. Uh, yes, you're right. It needs to be the enabler. And for me, it comes back to the brand. Understand your brand and what it stands for, and that will then inform your technology decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, just reflecting on that point, it's going to be an interesting point because technology generally is implemented based on having a business case with a, a decent return on investment, which generally, let's be honest, generally comes from a cost saving rather than a sales uplift. So it's, it's that temptation to say, right, I'll put in a new piece of tech. I'll take out some cost, people, hours, right? Let's, let's, let's be honest. This is how it works. And then actually you're now, you're just running your stores on less manpower. Um, so you're less able to deliver that human element. So I suppose there's got to be a transformation at some stage that says, how do we put technology in on a business case that is not just about cost saving or not just about removing hours from stores, but actually it is there to build the business. It's there to grow sales, grow longer term loyalty that then reduces the total marketing spend, for example, because you don't need to spend so much in acquiring new customers if you can keep your loyal ones for longer, right? I think the message there for me is people don't let the CFO run your organization. Always remember that they are the bean counters. They are not driving customer satisfaction, customer experience, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's a, a trap that um, most retail businesses have fallen into. That's and along with being wedded to out-of-date KPIs, such as sales per square foot, which frankly, in today's world, is meaningless. Go back to Rafa, for example. I don't know this for a fact, but I'll be very surprised if they measure sales per square foot because they invite these sweaty, lycra-clad, middle-aged men into their uh, clubhouses to have a coffee. <laughs> such nice, uh, such nice visuals there. <laughs> to um, <laughs> you know, they, they invite these lunatics in to have a coffee and talk about cycling. And if they happen to buy something, that's great. But if they don't. Well, hopefully we've given them a great environment and a nice experience and they are part of our club. And the next time they come, they'll buy something. And I think that's just a fantastic philosophy. That is not driven by a CFO. You know, that is driven by somebody who has a degree of imagination. And I think that is what is needed. Um, so I've just jumped back onto my um, 
soapbox for a second, if you don't mind. Back on the soapbox. Uh, <laughs> that is what is needed. And I think, again, the serious point about this is KPIs from 20, 30 years ago are no longer fit for purpose for today's retail. And that is a powerful message. That is a powerful message. It's one that some understand, but most would recall in horror because they're wedded to the Monday morning sales meeting. And again, I think that's a real challenge. Most retail businesses are a sales first organization and they budget based on historical data, like for like, as we know, uh, based on cost of running the business rather than things like making my customer feel better about themselves. These sorts of things, you know, what, why, I, why am I in business? Because if you take that direct sales approach, which is no longer appropriate, that's a very, by nature of it, that's a short-term view. Absolutely. And I think it is time to start thinking in a longer-term way. We can see where, where the trends are beginning to take us now in terms of, as we, we mentioned earlier, automation, AI, etc. We know consumers are becoming more digital. So it is time to start thinking in a longer-term way. What is my long-term relevance? How am I going to build that long-term loyalty through an emotional attachment with my consumers? And ultimately, don't use those those 30-year-old KPIs, as you mentioned, to do a day-to-day management without, well, do a day-to-day management that limits your, your long-term potential. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else I've missed in that? A little wrap up there, Andrew. No, it sounds like a good place to, uh, to wrap up because uh, yeah, we, we, could, we could carry on for a lot longer. <laughs> we certainly could. And we should we should we should at some stage maybe maybe over some beers next time, eh? Definitely, yeah, that sounds good to me. Just just before we do wrap up, Andrew, really important question here: if someone wants to go deeper into this and wants to reach out and and uh, hook up with you, what's the best way of getting in contact? Either through the the website, which does have all the contact details, so that is retail-reflections.co.uk or can reach me on Twitter at Andrew Busby. And email is andrew at retail-reflections.co.uk. And people should also check out your, your great wealth of, of articles, particularly on Forbes, as I mentioned in the, uh, in the intro there, that are always an entertaining read. So thanks so much, Andrew. This has been, uh, this has been really good. We've gone through quite a lot. It feels like maybe a a whistle-stop tour, so I hope we haven't blown people's heads up too much, particularly with the uh, the challenges that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> I think it is an optimistic time for retail. Yes, it's evolving, but that's good. Evolution brings new bright things. It's not a death, for sure, but let's let's look to the future and, uh, and make it happen, eh? Yep, absolutely. Totally agree. Thank you once again, Andrew. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to inviting you back on soon. Thanks. Look forward to it. Thanks, Oliver. Wasn't that a fantastic conversation there with Andrew? He shared some really big golden nuggets. And I'd love to know from you, what was your key takeaway? I'm going to be posting on LinkedIn about this particular episode. And I'd love for you to reach out, comment and say what you, what you took away from, I suppose, the whole conversation with Andrew, both episode 35 and this one, episode 36. Now, you can find all of the show notes from today's episode at 
obandco.uk slash 36. And I have to say, Andrew's been working on a bit of a secret project, although not that secret because he has put it on Twitter, to be honest. But if you have enjoyed today's episode, then do keep an eye out on what Andrew's up to because he has got a book in the pipeline which is coming out later in the year. It's called Harry Was Right All Along. Who was Harry and what can he teach us about retail today? It's a collection of short stories from the high street. So I know that if you've enjoyed this one, I am sure this book is going to be absolutely fantastic. So do, like I say, do look out for it later on in the year. And the best place to hear it is directly from the horse's mouth. Sorry, Andrew. But go and follow him on Twitter at Andrew Busby if you're not already doing so. And I'm sure you will hear all about it right there. So we're going to wrap this episode up right now. For my US-based listeners, I hope you have a fantastic 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. And to my UK listeners, particularly those in the independent market, the indies, happy Independence Day. I hope you have a blast. So I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Do hit subscribe if you have, if you're a new listener. And if we're not connected on LinkedIn, then do reach out. You can find the link directly to my profile on the show notes page. That's obandco.uk slash 36. That's obandco.uk slash 36. And I hope you have a brilliant week. And I look forward to joining you on the next episode of the Retail Transformation Show. Catch up then. 